mm-hmm. even with Twitter, because like there is some I see some stuff on there and I'm like, I can't believe that this is allowed. And again, like I'm all about like if you want to post, it's your page, do what you want with it. But certain stuff, I'm like, that shouldn't be available for anyone to just scroll past. Well, like like you see um like really intense like gaping oh. stuff or pro <laughs> prolapsing. Ew, prolapsing. I'm They're- like, that's not healthy. RIP to your colon, babe. <laughs> Call a doctor. Are you okay? Jeez. It's like yeah, it's gross. Yeah, are you okay? And these are little girls, like eighteen. I'm not laughing. It's just like sad. It makes me really sad. Again, twenty one and up. <laughs> Like, this little girl had braces and, like, I don't like that kind of porn either. But that's when you start getting into, well, now all porn's illegal. But I would never shoot that kind of stuff because it's, you know who's watching it. And I just don't agree with that. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Swarback. Before we get started on this week's episode, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to chattingwithcandace.com. From there, you can click that link that says buy me coffee, or you can sign up for our Patreon account, which has a really spicy bonus episode coming to you this month with a professional dominatrix. If you want to catch that, the only place to catch it is on my Patreon account. Um, So again, that's chattingwithcandice.com. And this week, I would like to give a special shout out to Darren. Darren, thank you so much for buying me five cups of coffee. That was very, very generous of you. And I would also like to give a shout out to Sean. Thank you, Sean Knows, on my Patreon account. I really appreciate you subscribing. It really means the world to me um, to support this new project of mine. So last bit of housekeeping before we jump into the good stuff. Um, We are sponsored by Amura. So Amura has really high quality CBD. They use a heat, no burn technology to keep the integrity of the flower, which is really, really cool. And I actually wanted to show you um, what it kind of looks like. So you get these little packs. You get to pick which kind of CBD you'd like. And then when you open it, I really struggled with this last time. You have to be smarter than the box is where you start. I'm going to butcher this beautiful packaging. But they are pre-measured little rolls of CBD flour that you just stick into the cartridge. Um, And then you get to a little little profile here. So you can see the chemical makeup of the CBD, the tasting notes, which is really neat. It's kind of like if you were going to a wine tasting. So if you go to amura.com, that's O-M-U-R-A and use code Candice, you can get 15% off. So go check that out. So without further ado, this is my most requested guest as of late. Please help me welcome Isha Gray. Um, So you were the most requested guest which is so awesome and so crazy because we haven't seen each other in so long so it's been like four years five years four or five yeah yeah and you were one of the last people I worked with really I know that's so cool so nuts I feel I feel very privileged Uh, (laughs) me too because you you don't do mainstream anymore not at all no no yeah so what have you been up to um just shooting a lot of content for my OnlyFans um i've been playing my music a lot i play the cello and the bass guitar um 
uh, I don't know, kind of just living life, doing my thing. Um, just working really hard, though, on getting my content out, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it hard transitioning to being like a self-producer and not having someone tell you exactly when to shoot, what to shoot, and when to release? It is so, <laughs> so hard for me because... I'm the type of person that like I will get distracted so easily. So if you're not, hey, cut or like, hey, let's go. Uh If you're not doing that, I am way (laughs) far away. So it's like really hard for me to just. But once I'm like very interested in what I'm shooting and like very involved, Mm -hmm. then it's really simple. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. For me, too, I have to have like a really rigid schedule laid out to make sure I'm getting everything completed when it's supposed to. And then I tend to let everything pile up, Mm. get riddled with anxiety and then have to like over overwork, essentially. Of course. That's Mm -hmm. the worst feeling. And then you're like you have all that stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so going way, way back to when you first got into the industry, I feel like we were both on, uh, what was it? It was like Reality Kings or Bang Bros. And we were staying at the same hotel and we were waiting on like uh, the lobby. Every time I think of you, <laughs> I think of that moment. Because, Do you? Yes, because like I was so nervous, so naive, like brand new. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my God, that girl's so pretty. I didn't even think. <laughs> I was just like, maybe. Because we didn't talk. We just sat across from each other on his sofa <laughs> on our phones. And then we realized when the same van picked us up <laughs> what was happening. That's too funny. Um, was that one of your first scenes that day or yeah. the first scene? Not the Not first the, scene, but, but definitely. Them. It was like the first month of okay. my shooting. Yeah. So brand You can new. tell from the hair. Like- uh, you can always tell from, <laughs> from how you're put together in mm-hmm. the beginning. And you hope that those photos don't resurface. We yes. were talking about that earlier. Exactly. Like, like how do we let someone put makeup on us like that or that wardrobe? I know. It's us. like, oh, some I look back and I'm like, dude, I look so young and you made me look like I'm 40. What is yes. that? But I don't know. It's kind of a blessing now, though. So people think that you just don't age. And it's like, I just figured out oh. how to take care of my skin and put on less makeup. That's a really good way to look at that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that first set or that first exchange with you was like, oh, she's so quiet and she seems really nice. And I remember um, because it was like a week that we were both there, Mm -hmm. right? And we were just like banging out scenes. Um, The thing that I – so I'm like super shy if I don't know anyone. And that's probably why I didn't really talk to you that whole week that we were like the same dressing rooms and we shot (laughs) together. Um, So I always like kind of pay attention and just – eavesdrop a little bit just like see how people interact and i remember someone was like trying to get you to wear something stupid like more stupid than usual and it just wasn't flattering for you and you kind of like told them no like you're just like i'm not wearing that something like that you were you know like the three the three mirrors that you would stand on yeah yeah yeah. yes you were up there and i remember you like just saying like i'm not doing that or i want to do wear something else and i was like you don't see that very often (laughs) and the makeup artist was like she won't last long with that attitude. And I was just like, okay, we'll see. And because that's very much my personality. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard it, but like I have the reputation of being like really difficult to work with and Mm -hmm. diva. Um, No, very like you, Asa, and like two other people have like told me that or like admitted that you've heard it. And everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, I know this is a rumor. Yeah. Um, And it's because you say no to certain things. So I like really respected that. It's it's really like – it's really gross to me to see 
women like we're in this industry we are doing a vulnerable thing you know Mm -hmm. what i mean we're already very vulnerable you're gonna tell me that i'm gonna have to look like this Mm -hmm. no and then because i don't want to do that and i don't want to look that way um i don't feel comfortable wearing that girls are like oh i'm better i'm gonna talk shit it's like come on Mm -mm. you know it's so gross to me like I got your back, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so ridiculous. And it's out there forever too, yeah. right? So it's it's kind of important. You want to feel good about the body of work that you leave behind, mm-hmm. especially when you decide to leave mainstream. And I didn't even think of that mm-hmm. at the time. I had no idea mm-hmm. of anything at the time. Mm-hmm. Like all of what I'm thinking right now is from the years of doing this. Yeah. So it's like I probably didn't want to wear it because it was just ugly <laughs> or something. Yeah. And I don't know. Now it's like people want you to do a certain act yeah and it's like if you don't take three and you know mm-hmm. then you're a diva then you're not a serious performer okay <sighs> you're clearly in the wrong line of work because you have limits or you're remaining true to yourself that was the thing so for me i always kind of did what i call pretty porn like i never yeah. did anything too classy. extreme yeah it was just that's just how I like to engage in sexuality in my real life. I never wanted to do anything that I wasn't actually interested in because I've seen that effect on other girls and I'm sure you have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like very – that was a very important principle when I was shooting. And then you would have these other girls that you know do not like a lot of the stuff they're doing. There's, I'm sorry. Like you can have your kinks. I don't judge that at all. Like whatever you're actually into. But certain things are borderlining on like – being unsafe but they're doing it just for like that title of most extreme and then they look down on people that aren't doing that and i just think it sets a bad precedent for new girls coming in it does it um it's bad for the new girls because they feel like they're gonna have to do all that it's straight up circus acts Mm -hmm. like it's and then the the consumers are obviously wanting more and more and more and think that people actually mm-hmm. like most people actually do this in mm-hmm. their bedrooms like they actually take porn as an educational thing right mm-hmm. it's so weird to me but i mean i'm i've i did porn so it's yeah. different do you think that so when it comes to i guess kids and younger people watching porn do you think that part of that is a paywall problem or do you think part of it is like parents not talking about sex at the proper time with their kids so then they're left to figure it out on their own or is it a combination of things Mm. i would probably say probably lack of talking because my parents didn't tell me anything about sex i found out in third grade from some guy and then boy not guy (laughs) (laughs) and then um i don't know i started like looking into like books not porn but like Mm -hmm. educational stuff yeah and then i found something on my brother's computer when i was like 14 and i was like (laughs) what's that okay (laughs) yeah so that's how i discovered it but i feel like if you talk to your kids and like let them know and be like hey you know hitting people in porn is actually not cool it's Mm -hmm. not okay and it's not a thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean parents need to like educate them on the actual biological part of it mm-hmm. and then talk to them on like i don't know people how weird they can be and also like yeah. i don't know just do you know what i mean right like everyone can have a kink but you have to make sure that it's consensual and like this isn't typical sex like yeah 
I think we with film because obviously it's entertainment you have to do something that's like a little bit of that shock value and Mm -hmm. um like if people were to record me with my husband be very boring (laughs) like no one has sex like that everyone has sex like that right it just doesn't sell um so you have to kind of explain to them this is bumped up for entertainment Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people just don't want to even mention porn to their you know their high school kids or whatever you know just pretend it doesn't exist and unfortunately with so much stuff being free you kind of have to Mm. because it's just readily available yeah that Mm. i mean it never used to get to me but like these days when i'm making my own content tube sites and like the thought of having my own kids and like like just tube sites and the stuff on like oh i just can't i don't sorry no, you're fine. It's just like, go ahead. Sorry. No, so I was going to say I'm really like selective as to who I, I have on, especially when it comes to industry people. And for a while, I didn't have anybody on because I I didn't want to be put in a box of like a porn podcast because it's not what it is. Mm-hmm. I like want to have people on that have interesting stories. And when I do have porn girls on or porn guys on, I want to show like the depth of their humanity, right? Like a mm. lot of the times we get judged so critically for this decision that we've made and you don't know that person or their backstory. Yes, there are plenty of dumb bimbos in the industry, right? Mm. That exists. But there's also some really, really intelligent cool. people, some yeah. really cool creative people. Um, and they're not, I don't think, I think it's reckless to kind of throw us all in the same bucket and it's not fair. So I want to have people on that I respect and that I think are like doing some good shit, right? Like doing something more than just trying to make money. So mm-hmm. when I said like you're my most requested person, I was actually really excited because you use your platforms for things other than just, hey, check out my website or hey, follow my OnlyFans, whatever, it, mm-hmm. you know, just turn and burn customers. You're yeah. like, these are important topics I want to talk about. And what really caught my eye is you were doing a lot of advocacy for child trafficking. And at the same time, I had the CEO of the Child Rescue Coalition come on and then one of our really good friends. I know it was really cool. <laughs> so cool. It was really I donated cool. so much money to them. They're an amazing organization. Awesome. Yeah, it's one of the first episodes I did. Cool. And then one of our really good friends runs Operation Rescue Children. So he works with um, Underground Railroad and Tony Robbins and that and he basically trains these really badass men and women to go save these kids and he's done the missions and just like gave me chills yeah it's really really important work so at the same time that i was doing a lot of stuff with them and having these conversations and donating and whatever you were doing this and i was like that's so cool to see someone giving back in the ways that you can Mm. um you don't see that often because a lot of people don't want to be controversial, which to me is crazy because what's controversial about saving children? But we talked earlier and you were saying you you lose followers over it. And if you compare our followers to other people who don't really get personal, there's a really big difference. Oh so yeah. um, I guess what got you into that specifically and um, what was it a conscious decision to start advocating for it or you just feel like you had to do it? Okay, so um, I read this article. Um, I read this article about this little girl, and um, she looked normal, obviously. She just looked like a little girl, and she was getting passed from one guy to a different one, and it was like an uncle to a dad, and it was trafficking, mm-hmm. and that broke my heart mm-hmm. because, like, it's happening right in front of you. Mm-hmm. 
And like just the statistics of it just drove me crazy. So I'm like, I have, you know, I have to like tell people, people around you are involved. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. That's, that's what I wanted to get out. So it just really tugged at your heartstrings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I got into a lot of research holes um, during 2020 because they just spent a lot of attention on trafficking in general during the campaigning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the statistics are really scary and the content out there is really scary. So I think it's awesome that you're doing your part to try to help Thank a really you. noble cause. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and then you're also very open about like your sobriety and then your issues mm-hmm. in the while you, you I guess you were shooting, right, during the, yeah. I guess, the the down parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to kind of get into that a little bit? Sure. Um, I actually never knew that you struggled with any of that. Uh, the only time I had heard we were getting ready for AVN, and I think um, another performer, I was, I'm not going to give her credit, but there was another performer that was kind of washed up and she just started coming at you and like she said, go take some more pills oh, or I something. Oh, I that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that you – we're struggling and then how shitty of this person to yeah. say that and i was um four months out of my first treatment center when she said that to me oh wow so, and i had relapsed so i was just like oh cool thank you mm-hmm. i will but mm-hmm. i didn't but mm-hmm. it's just like nasty i don't know mm-hmm. um yeah so was that an issue before you got into shooting or was it yeah yeah Um, so my dad has the addict gene and I have two brothers and a sister and I'm the only one who got it. Mm -hmm. So, um, it started when I was 14 and I drank my first shot of vodka and I liked it and I kept drinking and it made me feel really good because I'd always felt like super different from everyone. Like I can't relate to you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, it made me feel good, like, hey, look at me, talk to me, you know? And then um, it just kept progressing to the point I I was 15 on the floor of my school bathroom because of Xanax. Wow. It turned to that. And then it would stop, you know, it would be just sporadic stuff like that. Um, And I would drink like a normal high school kid. Mm -hmm. And um, then it got super dark. Like, 2012, I started using a lot, and prescription pills were my thing. Mm -hmm. And I would use alcohol to accentuate – that's not the right word – the feeling of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it got – it just, like, I was numbing something, obviously. Mm -hmm. Sad. Mm -hmm. And um, when – it's also when I think about me as a little girl, Mm -hmm. and I wish I could go back and be like, hey – you know and um so when I think about that I think about like how vulnerable I was and like that's also a thing for the children thing like I keep rambling in a different topics but um you're fine yeah the the whole thing of like being like having trauma as a child usually is a cause for addiction Mm -hmm. um I didn't have any trauma, I don't think. I think I was just weird. But, um, yeah, alcohol made me feel normal. And then it filled a hole once I started porn. Mm-hmm. Um, my relationship ended, obviously. And um, I felt very alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, obviously, 
drinking anything I could get my hands on at that point mm-hmm. but um yeah yeah I think it's it's really cool that you've been really transparent with it because I think it does help other people relate and they can feel like they're not alone and I think a lot of people also avoid it because no one ever wants to give porn a bad name. Yeah. Right? Like, they're like, this mm-hmm. is a perfect industry. Everyone's happy and everyone's treated well. And I always say if we were more honest about the shit as well as everything that's great and empowering and all the positive sides of it, then I think the rest of society would look at us with a lot more respect. But they just know that there's more than what a lot of people are saying. Yep. So I think it's cool that you – you've shared your experience with, you know, your ups and your downs. Um, You also, so when you were shooting mainstream, you did have like a long-term relationship. What was that like? Um, It's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird because I'm out here having sex with all these dudes. Right. But to me, it doesn't mean anything, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think that, he thinks it means something when he's having sex with all these girls. Okay. So it was very hard for me. Um, I got over it kind of. Like I was just like, oh, he's going to work. But there was one girl. I'm not jealous because <laughs> jealous means that I want something you have. I'm territorial. Mm-hmm. And this one girl I was jealous of. So I was like, okay, no. <laughs> no. And I freaked out. So mm-hmm. um, I don't recommend it. Mm-hmm. Like dating another performer hmm it's mm. gotta be so for me I always lived on the east coast and then I would go out and I would stay for like two to three sometimes four weeks at a time shoot and then I would come home for a long period of time and like detox mm. and then go back and I feel like if you don't get that break you can so easily just get sucked into this false reality that's the industry right like when you mm-hmm. say the industry it's not just shooting it's like who your friends are who your relationships are with where you're going out where you're eating it's all like yeah for instagram essentially and you think that all of this is real and then when shit hits the fan if something serious happens like maybe you're having str- like struggles with addiction or maybe like a family member dies whatever it is all these people just scatter and no one's actually Who's there. there right and you're like, what, what have I been investing my time, energy, mm-hmm. and you know, love that, into? That happened to me. Like, that happened to me. Um, my ex mm-hmm. broke up with me over FaceTime in an elevator full of people. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that, I was already, like, in a super, super depressed, on the verge of using again. Mm-hmm. I stopped because I wanted to stay in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I started again because it ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so right when that ended, uh, I OD'd and I flatlined in L.A. And oh I had my nobody. My mom had to come out. Wow. So it gets heavy. And like these people like were not my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we look great together shooting. But like, mm-hmm. nah, my real friends are like out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's really intense. So who found fa- like who found you? Cuz that's um Abella Abella Danger found me. Wow. It was actually um I don't know if you want me to go into it cuz it's whatever actually you're like comfortable a, with, yeah. a huge thing. Um I took Xanax laced with fentanyl. Oh wow. I'm so freaking lucky. 
I'm like blessed. Like something seriously wants me here because I've flatlined like three times. Wow. He's got goosebumps. I know. I'm like, that's why I'm like so, I don't know. So when that happened, did you have any crazy um, like after death or near death experiences? Um, For a little while after that, it took me a long time to get clean after that. Mm -hmm. Um, And before I got clean, I was um, like dancing with the idea of death. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I was peaceful. I didn't feel anything when I flatlined. Mm -hmm. I hate I hate that because like I am so blessed and love my life today. But like back then it was just so dark, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I forgot what I was talking about. I was wondering if you had like if you had seen the light that people talk about no you there's there's no light light. (laughs) i mean probably okay what i read is that um when a body dies um the soul takes a while to come out that's why i might have not seen the light or whatever and the soul is like dancing around with you until they decide to do their own thing that's Mm -hmm. what like I was taught as a kid okay but um I think that's why like I saw dark everyone's like oh no you see a light that that I'm like oh really but there was nothing oh that's a bummer <laughs> it's a, it, but it's hopeful because what I just said like you can it was peaceful go to yeah mm-hmm. it might be something different like another life you know yeah wow that is that's really freaking scary and your poor mom <laughs> yeah I yeah Mm-hmm. and um my mom had already gone through that the main reason i started using again in 2012 is because my dad tried to kill himself and he um od'd and uh that now gives me a lot of like stuff like when i'm when i'm feeling down and i'm like because i ha- i struggle with depression and all that good stuff mm-hmm. and um sometimes the thoughts pass by and i'm just like what like you would you would even have that thought cross your mind when he did that to you like you want to do that to your family mm-hmm. so like i have such um a i have such an appreciation for life now mm-hmm. like I felt how low it can be, you know, mm-hmm. but I felt how freaking high it can be. And mm-hmm. I would rather have that than no human experience at all, you know? Mm-hmm. So the process of you getting clean, what helped you the most? Um, probably like the the look on my dad's face, um, I went back home for Christmas in 2017 mm-hmm. and he opened the door and he, he didn't recognize me. Oh my gosh. Cause I was like 90 pounds and, uh, bad, mm-hmm. just really bad. So like every time I thought of that, I was just like, mm-hmm. I want to like, I want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to be proud of myself and I want my family to be proud of me too. Mm-hmm. So I want to fucking do this. <laughs> so I got clean, mm-hmm. but, um, I relapsed. Mm -hmm. you know it happens Mm -hmm. but um I didn't like the relapse because I had that head full of like oh you're clean you have better things to do all this I had that full head of that Mm -hmm. and I just ruined it Mm -hmm. by getting you know messed up 
So when that happens, is it is it like something triggers that or is it just like a self-control thing in that moment? I'm sure I'm like oversimplifying it. Is, it. It is so hard to explain like the thought that crosses your mind before you relapse. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to explain. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like literally talking to you it's like you are about to do it and Uh you're like nah nah should i do it yeah i should do it and you do it Mm -hmm. it's like you you have that one voice of no but then the rest overpowers you it's like really bad Mm -hmm. but it feels not good Mm -hmm. yeah it's tough so there's this um like doctor consciousness expert guy that um he has this thing called BioCybernaut, and I'm obsessed with it. I say it absolutely changed my life, and I think every single human needs to go at least once in their life. Um, it's very – he's going to get mad at me for saying this. It's very expensive for the average person, but I've heard of – I mean, I've gone twice. My husband's gone twice. The second time we went separate, so the lady that was in his training was beyond poor, like – five or six people lived with her and like a shack in in Hawaii and the only reason she could afford it was that her mother had just died and the money got split between her and the siblings and whatever she got from that will she spent on the training so there's absolutely no excuse financially from anyone like you can scrape up the money over time so again I think everyone should do it so essentially what it is it's um brainwave training and they teach you how to consciously alter your brainwaves it's the coolest thing in the world and it's super sci-fi but it's real life and it has real world applic like applications uses and it gets rid of anxiety depression um drug abuse like whatever you're going through it will find it and whatever you go for you're gonna unpack so much shit you're like i didn't even know this was something i had to work on and i'm so glad i'm here um so what he explains is when you kind of have those that voice it's it's having to identify what's you like the real you and what's your ego Mm, and the ego is not you right it's every human has one and you have one until you die and it's a matter of being able to distinguish the difference because sometimes the ego tries to take the wheel and say no this is you making these decisions so he draws a picture and he's like imagine you're watching a screen and everything's like beautiful hd 4k whatever Mm -hmm. your ego's over here in the corner with a projection bootleg version and he's putting it over your image and he's trying to confuse you to see that reality and then that's not your actual reality so you have to ask yourself if it's basically coming from like a place of love and light so if it's anything that is um i guess like mean-spirited or if you are feeling like forgetful tired he's gonna i can't believe i don't remember the five hindrances uh Forgetfulness is one of them. So forgetfulness, um, being tired. I'm going to find it and I'll put that part in the intro and I'll text it to you. But it's like a really easy way to identify what's you and what's not you in those moments. But hook it up. Yeah. 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 If you have some free time and you want to watch some like crazy promo videos, definitely check out. Yeah. It's neat stuff. It sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I. I have never had any addiction issues, but I've definitely had like rage issues mm, and those are very unhealthy to have. And it, I f- truly think it's why I got sick. So I have um, 
Graves disease, which is an autoimmune disorder, so it's hyperactive thyroid, and then mm. your body's essentially attacking your thyroid all the time. I have PCOS, which is another autoimmune issue, and then I have endometriosis. So I got like a triple whammy going on. Um, and when I got really, really sick with the Graves, I was probably at my angriest. And the kicker is, is that Graves actually makes you angry. They have a thing called Graves Rage. There's a name for it. So if you like look yeah. up these blogs, and I did so much research in the beginning because I was just trying to figure out what was happening to my body and my mm, mind, especially. Yeah. Women have like tried to run over their husbands and like beyond violent acts and the husband's like this is very out of character for her she would never do this and all of a sudden she turned into this maniac and it's because they were experienced grave graves rage so on top of my regular anger issues i had that to bump it up a notch so Mm. my husband kind of tricked me into going to the training he's like if we go you're just it's gonna improve your income which you know that's how they market it for some of the corporate people and it'll make boost your iq by 12 points and your eq by 15 points all of these real world things i was like yeah i'm gonna crush it with work i'm gonna do that (laughs) make all the money and then we show up and it's a lot of forgiveness work because that's what what increases alpha is the act of forgiving truly forgiving like no longer having that visceral reaction like your chest getting tight your stomach dropping when you think of someone that's done something shitty to you, you get hot yeah you get, get so hot. hot you're like i'm not forgiving that person like you don't understand <laughs> what they did to me and he's like you're gonna forgive them by the end of the week mm. and every day i would wake up and i'm like i'm not going back and eric's like you're going back i'm like i'm fucking not going back this is this is all a scam because <laughs> you just don't want you it's your ego trying to prevent you to ha- from having like this really important breakthrough Mm. um but yeah it was the most important thing i decided to actually complete that sounds like really really helpful i know for life (laughs) for everybody and then everyone like i have people that are going through some stuff and i suggest it and it's they're just not ready Mm. and i get it because it's not easy yeah i mean i would do it i've already done so much work on myself like the past how long it's been like three years that i've tried to like remain clean Mm -hmm. Um, that's great it's been super like like i have never felt so sad before sometimes Uh but i've never felt so hopeful and excited and grateful and like uh it's just so good it's so much better Mm-hmm. Do you do like a gratitude list? Every morning I write 10 things. Every oh, that's single morning. Great. Yeah. And then um, I also do this thing if I'm ever like feeling bad about myself or whatever, um, where I write as if I'm already where I want to be, you know, mm-hmm. the person I want to be, mm-hmm. where I want to be. I write as if I'm already there. Mm-hmm. It helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. So another cool trick um i just learned this when i was doing my second training if you journal in the third person it's actually supposed to help with manifestation so if you're like keisha just fell ass backwards into a million (laughs) dollars whatever it is so if you start writing in that way it's supposed to help you manifest thank you for manifesting that for me you're welcome yeah (laughs) put it all out there for you um, so we were talking earlier about stalkers. Mm-mm. I know. And I bring this up because I think it's really important for people to understand what you go through yeah. as I 
people blame it because we did porn, but I've talked to mainstream people that also have the the same issues, right? If you look up Kylie Jenner, she's had stalkers, and Miley Cyrus, they've all had stalkers. So it's once you become a public public figure, and I don't think that they realize like how far it can go. I've had full blown manifestos. <laughs> shipped to my house. I still have them in case anything crazy happens. Um, Do you think, I'm a huge believer in free speech. I think that that needs to be as open as possible because once you start kind of tapering it in is all of a sudden like you're super censored. But do you think that sort of thing needs to be regulated or do you see any solutions? So when someone's like cyber stalking? Yeah, cyber stalking or doxing, all of these things that happen daily for some people okay so for me i know that when i see this dude that's stalking me make another account and i see hey i'm coming to tampa i almost fall to the ground you know i feel like porn stars need just as much protection as normal stars it's really they don't see how bad it can get like i've had a friend who a guy went into her apartment you know what i mean it can get to that point and it's like authorities don't really care you know they don't i mean some probably do but they don't really take it seriously and some are like oh well too bad shouldn't have done porn but it's like it's not that it's it's, not the reason it's so bad too it's like it's really difficult because so i've actually i've had a dad cop and cops in my family and cop friends so I always like try to text some of them to see what they would suggest um over the holidays I had somebody that was calling me nonstop and sent an officer to do a wellness check on me so they went to an old address because they thought that the one that they found online was accurate and it wasn't so the cops found my new address came here it was Christmas evening and he's like I just I had to do a wellness check so and so called and I was like can you not let him know that you found me or where you found me because I don't know this person so scary. and the officer was super kind and he was like I understand yeah I'll make sure that I keep all of this private but there's not really a lot that we can do just make sure you're keeping track of the phone calls and the texts and I think that there should be some kind of way that if you can provide proof on social media that they should be able to find the IP address and just block that Mm -hmm. person from using the services. Yeah, I think it's just really difficult because, like, they will delete the account, like, immediately Mm -hmm. um, so that they can't be tracked. Mm. It's like... There's got to be a record of it, though, you would imagine. I, I mean, I try. Like, I try to take screenshots, but they delete it so fast. They'll... It's so, like... It gets to me, man. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know, like, probably Angelina Jolie and, like, all these other people are like, eh, whatever. But, like, I don't know. For me, I'm not used to this shit. So it's, like, extremely terrifying. Well, they have, like, paid security as well, I'm sure. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Very different. So that helps you sleep at night. <laughs> not me. <laughs> you got to get you a really big dog. Yeah, I know. But I have like three Drogo. cats. Like Drogo. Yeah, get one like Aww. Drogo. Yeah so cute yeah your dogs are so thanks yeah they're knuckleheads but they have serious barks so that makes me feel really safe i do i used to travel with drogo all the time when i was doing my la trips because it made me feel better when i was staying at airbnbs because i would stay downtown Mm, that's friggin' sketchy that's terrifying yeah i didn't know i was like this is cute there's restaurants everywhere it's a great price it's a great price for a reason 
and I didn't piece that together until I was already down there. So I was like, I'm bringing my dog next time. Yeah. Dang, it's scary down there. Mm -hmm. Where did you live when you were shooting? Um, I lived in North Hollywood. Oh, you did? Yeah. But I spent a lot of time in Hollywood with Carly. Mm -hmm. Um, We pretty much were like always together. Um, But like North Hollywood was my spot. Mm Mm-hmm. Did it help having a buddy? I've never really got to do that. I always try like a friend. Yeah, yeah, it helped. Um, but I mean, you don't. I don't know. Like from that experience, I don't know who to trust. You know what I yeah. mean? Like having a buddy is cool and all, but things can happen, and like mm-hmm. you know, it just can turn really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, not with Carly, but I'm talking about with, you know, other people, other people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Carly helped a lot. Mm-hmm. So much. I would be depressed, but I would be depressed with her. So mm-hmm. it was really cool. And then I brought my cat to LA. So <laughs> she helped. Mm-hmm. Do you think, so I never really paid attention to it on like a deeper level, but you know how they have like all the competitions all the time and they kind of pit the girls against one another. So when oh, I was verse the tweets that are like yeah verse. the ver- those things, but also the companies. When I was shooting with well, first even DP challenge, right? Like that alone was getting girls against oh, yeah. each other for this super amazing contract. And then after that, when you win, I had they made me start a Twitter fight with Peta on um or it's, that's how you say it, right? Peter Peta 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 yeah, and she had her contract with browsers and they were purposely getting us to do a twitter fight and then i was like just being funny and then she got serious so then i got serious and i was like why are you doing this to us and then I, before i knew it i was starting a fight with someone i didn't even know yeah. like, this is insane and it becomes like really competitive so i feel like that's a big reason why there's not a, a lot of successful relationships in the industry it is all competition like I mean, I could get really into that by, like, girls being competitive because of, like, where we come from as human beings, you know, mm-hmm. like fighting for it. But um, I don't know. I think that I have better friends outside the industry, mm-hmm. even though they can't relate to some of the things that I go through. I don't want them to, you know, <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's different. I think that's one of the great things about OnlyFans and that getting so popular is that it's showing that they're like resources are abundant. We don't have to compete. Everyone mm-hmm. can crush it. And you actually benefit when you work together and yeah. collaborate. So and I think it also like shows you your worth. Like more than when you, you were shooting mainstream, at least for me, I would get called like ir- like what was what was the word I was gonna use? Um Basically, like, that I was very egotistical because of my rates and that I must have had, like, a self-inflated value of myself. And it wasn't that much considering how much they splice it up and that one thing that you shoot and you get that one day's pay is turned into 20 to yeah. plus things and sold over and over and over again. Um, I was like, I feel like this is – I'm still not getting paid enough, but this is just what I think you can pay me. Yep. Um, so when you start doing stuff like OnlyFans or Snapchat or your own pay site or whatever it is, you're like, holy cow, this is what I'm know. worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I was just going to say something. Oh, um, 
I don't like mainstream actually anymore because they put my real name on a box cover. No way. How did that happen? Either people really hate me because I have burnt a lot of bridges or there's some really incompetent people that need to be fired immediately. <laughs> Can you tell me the company or no? It's yeah, it you. was... Um, I think it was... I don't know, but it got onto Adult DVD Empire. So, and by everyone, then it's too late to even do anything about. Mm-hmm. So, holy cow. I don't even know how they get the names of some people. Like when my name got released, I was like, who in high school is out there doxing me because you didn't like me? Because that's what it had to have been. There was no one else that would have been like, oh, I know her. I didn't know anyone in the industry, but it got out. And I remember when it first got out, I was mortified. I was like, I'm going to get murdered in my bed. And now I've kind of owned it because obviously I do the podcast in my real name. But the moment it happens when it's not under your control, it's really scary. Um, My thing is when they get super invasive and try and contact your family, Mm -hmm. that is like – that I will get very um, serious if anyone comes towards my family. But – I was going to say, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. I do that all the time. You look golden. I look gold? Like your eyes and your hair and your skin oh, look thanks. golden. Yeah, my eyes change color. What's really funny. So uh, they say when you reach certain levels of consciousness, like your eyes can change. So true story, I used to have almost like black eyes. They were very dark, dark, dark brown up until the point that I was – 19 or maybe 20 and then I had decided to leave a long-term relationship that wasn't that great for me and I started to try to find the more authentic version of myself and I kid you not my eyes went from that dark 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 brown color to hazel like overnight and I was like what happened to my eyes (laughs) so I was like googling everything so I wanted to make sure nothing weird was happening and then my mom came to visit and she's like are you wearing contacts no, these are my eyes. And my sister's like, those are your contacts. I'm like, these are my eyes. So even my family members were like, what happened to your eyes? And I'm convinced it was because I had made a really good decision with my life. That's probably true because you know how angry people get like black eyes? Mm-hmm. It's probably it's true. There was just a lot of anger in a young Candace. But now they change anywhere from like gold to dark brown yeah. to green. Same. And... It's funny because Eric's like, when they get really dark brown, I know you're mad. And I just let you do your thing. Um, and then green usually means that I'm like feisty or want to have sex. Ooh, yeah. Good. And then gold is like, like a really good place. Yeah. yeah. I um, When I'm in the sun, my eyes look really golden. Mm-hmm. And um, my best friend said that it looks like melted honey on wood. That sounds beautiful. Whatever that is. We yeah. were talking about honey earlier. Yeah. I still think you need to make that honey video. I will. Yeah. I will. We're I think, all going to be watching. I think you need to do it because you're gold. <laughs> <laughs> it would match you perfect. I know. I was supposed to do it with somebody and then they decided to not film me anymore. It's Mr. Carl's Jr. But oh. yeah. <laughs> it would have been Sorry, so Sorry, I forgot completely. Yeah. yeah. It would have been so dope. I th- definitely think you should do it though. I think when you incorporate um, food in a hot girl, it's just really erotic for some oh, reason. You do like honey and cherries. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for whoever's cleaning it up, but it'll be so worth it. Me. You. Me. Just power wash it. It's fine. 
it's all for the art yep it's all for the art all in the name of art so do you think porn is art or can it be art um it can be art just like anything (laughs) like Mm -hmm. this can be art like Mm -hmm. if you take a really cool lit photo of it or it can be garbage Mm -hmm. um so you can like make some really shit product or you can like do something so beautifully where you get like every shot that you thought in your head like perfectly Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like when it comes out how i envisioned it that's art for me Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but it can also like some is just like terrible like the Philly Films is shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've never shot with them. Um, That's shit porn, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not... I feel like it's more art... It's more artistic when you have better actresses, mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. Guidance. Lots and of... And a budget. And, yeah, and like um, props, mm-hmm. location, makeup, mm-hmm. wardrobe, all that. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad for like us <laughs> the young us yeah the one that that picture is going around today those girls <laughs> those girls i feel bad for those girls too they had no idea what was they coming no idea Mm-mm. so did you have an agent when you first got in Ooh, let me tell you okay give me the deets so there was um someone who approached me um on facebook when i was living in tampa mm-hmm. and um they hit me up about doing porn and i had already like when i was a when I was younger, I used to watch, um, what's it called? Girls Next Door, that uh-huh. Playboy show. And I wanted to do Playboy. That was my goal, like, <laughs> as a kid growing up, mm-hmm. which is really weird. Um, and when I when I got the chance to, I took it, like, right away. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was so naive, dude. It was through this guy named Franco who's actually in prison. Oh, gosh. So um, this guy named Franco, he actually took me, Carmen Caliente, um, and a few, other, Ariana Marie. Mm-hmm. We all started with him. Mm. And um, he was taking all of our money, and he was also trying to set us up as escorts. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. How without your knowledge? Because then it's obviously some, you're some not going to Some girls go. like me being naive, he thinks that I'm going to... He'll just say yes. I'm just going to say yes. So I show up. It's... um, What's his name? Some guy named... I don't know. And he's expecting me to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's an owner of a company. And I'm just like... Oh. Are you kidding me? Because no. <laughs> uh-huh. Bye. Yeah. I was like 19. I don't know. I'm not trying to... You know when you're just excited and yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just so I started with them and they stole all of our money and basically all of that money went into making restaurants in Tampa and nightclubs. So anyway, I started with them and then I went to Motley Models. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was a better experience. And they actually saved my life to be honest because um. When I was going through all that stuff mm-hmm. at the end of 2017, um, they said, you need to go get help because we're not booking you anymore. Wow. So if they wouldn't have done that, like, I don't know. Good for them for actually paying attention because that's rare. They cared about me. Like, yeah. there's people who, like, obviously don't care about their You're girl, Sorry. <laughs> and then there's people who, like, find something in you and mm-hmm. really care, you know? They see the person instead of just the paycheck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think there should be a 21 and up rule? 
I do too. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no clue, dude. Mm-hmm. How, like, I don't understand how they let me, like, just 19 <laughs> I'm unqualified. <laughs> Send me home. What? <laughs> I don't. Ah, but it was something I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to, like, do all this sexual stuff, but safe, you know? That's mm-hmm. why I wanted to do porn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, 21. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Especially these 19, 18-year-old 18 18 girls coming in doing, like, all these circus acts. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, you're going to be so fucked up when you're older. So messed up. Because look at me. Like, I'm already kind I'm just kidding. I think you're doing great. I'm good. I'm just kidding. But no, I think it's hard because how do you – the industry is not going to make that regulation on its own. And then once you get the government involved, then it can get really dicey as well because then they can just shut it down entirely. So you can't, you just need someone who doesn't hate sex work and just wants the well-being for these young people I mean, you can't drink until you're 21 because they don't trust you with a beer. But they're going to trust you to make the, this life-altering decision. You can't undo it. It doesn't matter if you do one video for this basement company. Someone's going to find out. And it's going to ruin your job at, yeah. as a teacher or a paramedic, whatever you, you decide to do after. Um, mm-hmm. There's not like a proper exit either. So you have to hope that that decision pans out, which it doesn't for most people. I think they see people like you and I or also or whoever then you're like the top 50 girls right in the worldwide in the industry that's not normal the rest of the girls are getting paid a few hundred bucks here and there they're in and out in a year and then what do you do after what do you do i know it's really heartbreaking um and no one's there to guide you no one tells you to save money for taxes so a lot of girls don't do that (laughs) still paying all my taxes no years of drug use will do that yeah not recommended no Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but again when you get in so young you've maybe never had a real job before or a gig job where you're responsible for those things so you think i made this today and you really didn't and then especially after agency fees and that so you would hope that agencies were being more I guess, holistic in that approach that they mm-hmm. would provide these things and say, hey, you don't have health insurance, so help, let me help you get it. Like mm-hmm. these kinds of – they get paid enough, right? Because yeah. they're double dipping. They're getting paid from the agent or from the production companies and from the talent, which I also don't think is fair because I don't so, think you can do that in mainstream. I, I feel so bad. Like I don't mean to be mean, but that's the kind of shit that's not art, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. they feel like – I don't know. If it just doesn't look like wanted, I feel like it's just, I don't know. The girls look scared to me sometimes. Like, in the, <laughs> you know, those weird um, companies, the lower companies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, why would you go through that? This girl looks terrified. Mm-hmm. But I. It's not, not you're not rewarded for speaking out usually. Like I, my entire career, everyone's like, can you shut up? up and i'm like no like absolutely not if they're doing this to someone on my level and that's not inflated that's just a fact right like well-known person with a platform then what are they doing to a nobody with no platform you can only imagine so i'm going to say things and i don't need this money so bad that i'm going to not honor like my my truth or whatever is important yeah um 
and it's served me well. Yeah, I don't have a million followers on Twitter, but I love the ones that I have because they're, they're actually with there. You and they, yeah. they're, yeah, they support like what you support, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why I love my followers because I'm, and they have my back whenever people want to attack me. I said something about Michael Jackson being a pedophile. Don't ever say that on Twitter. Don't. Really? <laughs> Literally every <laughs> creep comes out of the woodworks. Like just talk, just bashing my character. I'm like, I'm sorry that I said Michael Jackson might have been a pedophile. It's like, all right, whatever. I lost like, I think 3,000 followers. Oh, wow. That's a time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my most controversial tweet. During election year, I got a little wild. Like I think we all did. Yeah. So I, I'm sure it was some Donald Trump tweet. And I think I lost probably a thousand people. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was talking to one of my friends. Do you know who Zuby is? Um, he's this British rapper. He's, with, he's freaking awesome. I definitely recommend you follow him on Twitter. So he currently holds the world record for women's deadlifting because he self-identified as a woman the day of the competition, didn't train for it, shows up, crushes every woman there, wins the title, and then goes, actually, I'm a dude again. And he did it to prove a point because we're getting so crazy with self-identifying. So women's sports are pretty much gone. So he did it to prove there is a difference. There is absolutely a difference between a biological man and a biological woman. And watch me not train and crush all these professionals. So he's still holding it holding it down and i think it's fantastic because you can't argue it is yeah he literally proved everyone wrong or everyone that's advocating for that so um yeah i was talking with him and he's like you only lost a thousand followers he's like i've lost and i think he was saying like something like ten thousand or twenty thousand yeah but if you're losing that many you already have like Mm -hmm. who cares yeah (laughs) that's what he said too he's like oh i only have three hundred thousand yeah like that's not the point i'm so upset He's like, yeah. get over it. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to, um, if you feel compelled to say something, to say it and to use your platform how you see fit. I wish more people were using it for more than just pictures and gifts and all of that because you actually can make a difference. You have mm-hmm. no idea what kind of difference you can make in someone's yeah, life. It's true. And I also want to tell you this one thing that I think is really cool from um, like sharing my experience. Um, a performer – a performer messaged me because it got around that I do Xan or did Xanax, lots of Xanax. And so someone hit me up and they were like, Hey, I'm really scared. I'm withdrawing from Xanax. And I'm like, you need to go to detox as soon as possible because benzo and alcohol withdrawal will give you a seizure. And I've experienced that firsthand. So the next day I'm like, Hey, are you okay? She, she's like, I had a seizure. But my dad and a nurse were right there and I'm getting help. And now they're almost six months clean, I think. So like just one little thing I feel like can make a difference. And Mm -hmm. like that's one more clean person. That's one more person like consciously making a difference in the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you get one person clean, you have a clean head. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And it probably gives you more power and like empowerment to continue to be sober. Because you're like when I'm – in this good space, I can actually have a really positive impact. On yeah. So many people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So do you, have you noticed a difference since you've been able to start, start self-producing and get out of LA and kind of yeah. get away from the craziness? Yeah. Okay. So for one, my skin is better. <laughs> first um, and foremost. Yeah. Thank you. So um, I'm happier, first of all, getting out of LA. Um, there's too much. You get caught up in that mm-hmm. thing that, ugh, you have to. Okay. So I'm happier healthier i'm with my family Mm -hmm. um i'm about to start school i'm playing so much music like i'm doing all of these things because i'm able to have this time for myself because i'm making my own shit Mm -hmm. and um i don't have to deal with like the drama of people i can just do my own thing i make my way more money for my content like Mm -hmm. those other companies like i'm sorry but that, those are done like those are done after only fans mm-hmm. you'll see a couple girls shooting for them but they, i've pretty i pretty much think that they're gonna be done eventually yeah so do you see bigger stars like vet vets like people that came from our era shooting again or do you see what would the point be because i do see a couple and they're pretty big names and i'm like what are you doing have you not heard about only fans <laughs> i don't i don't know i kind of focus on my own shit yeah you know like you that's recommended <laughs> yeah it's a lot happier yeah. there i think um i think a lot of girls do it just to stay relevant and i did that i shot with carly gray like last year Mm -hmm. to stay relevant um not to stay relevant but to give my fans they've been like begging me Mm -hmm. um yeah but that was like one it was for a company yeah it was for browsers oh okay wow i think I don't know. Reality Kings. So when you did that, did you try to renegotiate your price to something that you felt was more respectable now considering and did it work? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. If anyone has a problem with the price, then don't book. You know, someone else will. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lower myself just to fit into your little price. Yeah. 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 No. Did you ever have anyone bullying you about your price? Like agents. I guess you sound yep. like you had a pretty Mike good Mike Quasar. Agent. Oh, really? Yeah. He was like, you're Mike too high. Mike Quasar would not pay anybody's real rate. Oh, wow. So. I didn't know that. I've never that. met him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. But also, he can probably say some shit on me about how, like, I didn't show up to set sober. But it's like, okay, but why would I show up to set sober, like, my full self when you're paying me nine hundred dollars well i think that's important too is when you start devaluing someone it's really hard to separate that from this is work and this is my actual value as a human being because it's such an intimate work yeah and you have someone saying you're not worth that so that does have an effect <laughs> on you it does it, it has it really a serious does. effect no, on it you does. and then you also have these extreme acts that are now kind of being normal expected right? It's expected to do X, Y, and Z. And then if you are maybe a girl that's not getting as many scenes as you would like, maybe you're, you know, number 100 on Pornhub or whatever. So you're getting booked twice a month, three times a month. So you have to keep knocking your price down and keep doing more and more extreme things. And they're they're wondering why there's this poor girl, I won't say her name, but she had, she started to get pretty popular she was the very traditional big boobs small waist blonde hair like that quintessential 
porn star and she started showing up on set not okay um like either drunk or and i'm i have never seen it so this is just allegedly but i've there's some validity behind it if not a lot but just not okay and Mm -hmm. people would start making fun of her and i was like that's that's that a me. symptom. That's not that the, that's not the the cause, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So where is this getting rooted from? And we should feel bad for her and want to help her, not snicker behind her back. That's a serious problem. Oof. And it makes sense. It makes sense that you would break someone down if you were you. It's like the perfect recipe, right, for self destructive behavior. And it's almost like certain people are just so eager to watch you fall because then that's more room for them to shoot. And it's so twisted because there's an abundance of resources. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. We can all do great. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I get a little bit – it's going to sound judgmental and maybe it is, but I do get heated when I see girls doing certain sex acts because I think that that has a negative ripple effect on everyone else. And, again, I'm not going to ever tell you what to do with your body. That's your decision. But I do think that you have to make a conscious decision when you are doing those things, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's happening. Yeah, there um, there was – I don't know if you saw on Twitter like a couple months ago, there was this photo that got retweeted of this girl – with a black eye, her ribs I did not see this. and her butt. And um, she was like, ooh, daddy did me right. And I'm just like, oh, my freaking gosh. Like, do you – she had, like, 10,000 followers. You don't see, like, there are these girls and guys seeing that they think that that's what women want. Like, no, I'm sorry. And it, it was Bruno Dickums. Have you heard of him? No. He's in Miami, and he – um. I think he's blacklisted from, like, a lot of companies, but he's been known to, like, beat the shit out of girls. On a regular set, like, not for kink. Um, Yeah, just regularly. Like, that's his thing. If you look him up, he'll be, like, probably with his hand over a Where is that even getting published? Um, There are nasty sites. Oh, There are really nasty sites out there. Yeah. Uh, so, again, like, there, there's the line there too, right? When it comes to cens- censorship and private companies can do what they want, but then also certain things are just wrong. You just can fundamentally feel. I don't. I. I'm all about being able to explore in BDSM, and I respect that when it's done properly. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's a line. So when you do get into permanent marks and when you do get into broken bones and when you get into black eyes, I don't think that's healthy. I think that that's some trauma that's not visited on the person that's maybe asking for if they are um, and definitely the person that's willing to do that to somebody. Yeah, it's gross, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I got attacked for saying that she shouldn't be posting that. People came at me like, you're a kink shamer. I'm like, kink. I'm like, listen, honey, that is not kink. That is glorified abuse. Yes. There's a at difference. Me. <laughs> there's a difference. There's like, you want to call that? Okay. There's probably like a kid who's not supposed to be watching porn, watching that, mm-hmm. thinking, ooh, yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to do that to my girl, you know? Mm-hmm. I heard with the younger generation, it's very normal to ask to get hit and choked and all of that now during regular sex because of how much porn they're watching. I don't know how true that is, but I've heard it out and about. And it's scary because you have to realistically understand kids are having sex normally around, what, 16, 17 years Mm -hmm. old. 
that's so young. I mean, now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, that's so young. Yeah. Um, you have no idea what you're doing. And if my, if I if I ever had a daughter and I found out she got punched in the face during sex, oh, Lord help that boy. I just got hot and shivered <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, Lord help that child. So I think it's really important. Again, I think there needs to be paywall paywalls on all content. I really hate free explicit material because kids just have access to it, and that's just the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. So make a credit card, you know, necessary to see the stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. But again, I think certain content shouldn't be allowed. And I know that's anti the anti-libertarian that I claim to be, but I think certain things, it's it's violence. And I don't think that it's any different just because you're saying someone consents. It, yeah, consent. I, I also don't agree. Like, I'm sorry, but I have like PTSD from people getting punched in the face. Like, that to me is like... I don't know. That's almost like seeing your mom hit your or your dad hit your mom. You know, it's like a kid watching that mm-hmm. is like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I saw my mom and dad hit, you know, like if mm-hmm. they're in an abusive place already. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like what kind of little monster is being created by w- consuming that shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do need. I don't, I don't even know what they would do, though, you know, to like with the whole paywall and everything. They couldn't. It's like impossible to make everyone have a paywall. I don't think so. I think it'd be super simple. And I think a lot of people would be really excited to do it because then you could tax it or whatever. But we regulate things all the time. We regulate alcohol. We regulate weed now. And yeah, we do. It's harder when you have servers that are over in Russia. There's always going to be a way. But when you have these really prominent companies that are in Canada or the US, I think you make them do it mm-hmm. even with twitter because like there's some i see some stuff on there and i'm like i can't believe that this is allowed and again like i'm all about like if you want to post it's your page do what you want with it but certain stuff i'm like that shouldn't be available for anyone to just scroll past well like like do you see um like really intense like gaping oh. stuff or pro <laughs> prolapse Ew, prolapsing. I'm like, that's not healthy. RIP to your colon, babe. (laughs) Call a doctor. Are you okay? Jeez. It's like, yeah, it's gross. Yeah, are you okay? And these are little girls, like 18. I'm not laughing. It's just like sad. It makes me really sad. Again, 21 and up. Gosh. (laughs) Like this little girl had braces and like... I don't like that kind of porn either, but... That's when you start getting into, well, now all porn's illegal, but I would never shoot that kind of stuff because it's, you know who's watching it, and I just don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not, like, a sane, a healthy person that's wanting to pretend that someone's underage. That person has some kind of um, work that they need to really be doing. So, mm-hmm. What's really interesting um, with that biocybernaut thing, this guy just has he has so many stories. I love his stories. He was explaining because I do think if you if you get into porn, especially, and you don't really sit with the decision as to why you're doing these things and the repercussions, and constantly checking in with yourself to make sure that you're healthy, I think it can have a long lasting effect on your on like your psyche and your relationships. Um, and I didn't really realize that. I I definitely had to deal with some intimacy issues after shooting for so long, yeah. even with my husband. I had been with him the whole time I was shooting. But 
I just became so detached and I started to prefer that detachment, which isn't good either. So that was one of the things I worked on. And we were talking about sex and he was explaining what, I don't know how it came up. I think I was saying how I prefer rougher sex. Like it's really hard for me to get into it if it's not. And my husband's not that way. Like he's very much like, I don't want to ever hurt you. Like he's just my gentle giant. So, and it would cause fights. And he's like, this, this isn't normal to want these, these things. And I was like, yes, it is. It's totally normal. Like I, you know, I do it on set and I see it. And I, I grew up with a lot of abuse as well. So I think that also played a a huge role into it. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Hart was saying he had, um, he had a really someone that was really into the S&M stuff. I think he was a sub and he liked to feel pain. Like mm-hmm. he re- he couldn't get off unless he felt pain. So he had the whips and the chains and the spikes and all of the toys you could imagine. I get it. By the end of the training, the seven days, he threw all of his stuff away. Really? All his toys away. And he walked away from S&M and he, he realized that for his story, like his – his need for that pain was because of some emotional baggage that he hadn't really unpacked or forgiven. And once he had gone through all of that forgiveness work, he just threw his toys away. He's like, I don't need to feel pain in order to connect with someone. Oh, and I was like, that's, that's so like beautiful. Really beautiful. Oh, stuff yeah. like that. I'm a crier, like you wouldn't think. Like <laughs> I come off like I'm hard or something, but no. especially with the tattoos, you're like, <laughs> no, girl, this is a I, tough chick. I will start crying if something beautiful happens. Like mm-hmm. if something really sad happens, I'll cry. If something really beautiful happens, I will cry. Mm-hmm. If I'm mad, I won't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I cry a lot when I'm mad. Really? I don't know why. I get I- so angry. I just tears well up, and I'm like, now they think I'm a baby, but I'm just so mad. <laughs> that is so funny yeah i can't help myself i know i get yeah (laughs) i feel you so if you don't want to answer this we can always cut it um are when you found your boyfriend now was it hard because you're famous and you're a famous porn star because there's that narrative, you'll never find love, right? Everyone tells oh, you that. that so You're funny. not worthy. You'll never find love. You're you want to know why? Die alone. Because, like, they want you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he already knew who I was. And um, we were in this, uh, I'm not really allowed to say, we were in this group. Okay. But um, I met him there, and he had, like, five years clean at the time. Mm-hmm. And... um. He was like really hot, you know, mm-hmm. like junky chic, as you <laughs> call it. And um but he shared and he was like so soft spoken and um I'm gonna cry because like I love him so much. But oh. um he's taught me like so freaking much about myself and other people and stuff, but it wasn't hard at all. Mm-hmm. Cause he he's I guess he's just so like awakened was enlightened uh-huh. i don't know awakened <laughs> either either one but he his mind is so open and he's so patient and it, he's literally like whew, the best person i'm very lucky mm-hmm. and fuck you for everyone who said that i couldn't find love mm-hmm. yeah I, I hate that that's 
the narrative once you go in. And then I, I think that also leads to a lot of bad decisions because you're like, well, I'm going to die alone with my cat anyway, so I might as well go get paid yeah. while I'm lonely. And it's just not true. I know so many people that are married and so many people in positive, healthy relationships mm-hmm. and with families. And you you can have whatever you want. You just have to know that you're worth, you're worth that thing. So I think it comes from feeling like you're not – worthy of love and then of course you're not going to find anybody or at mm-hmm. least anybody good yeah mm-hmm. yep you're going to end up with someone who treats you how you think you should be treated exactly yeah so when you decided um to stop shooting was it because you were in a bad space yeah yeah um i was i mean like i said my husband my husband <laughs> my um agent <laughs> what the fuck my agent um he already said he was not going to be booking me anymore. So it just forced it. But I was getting booked because I would self-book. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was, okay, it was after I OD'd for the third time. And um, I was just like, all right, I need to go home. And it's Christmas anyway. So I went home. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an active thought to stop shooting. Mm-hmm. It just happened. And then... I just stayed out until... Do you want to hear something funny? Yeah. I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. I saw you <laughs> tweeting that and everyone was losing their mind. So what was that okay. like? So, Holy cow. All right. So first of all, I cried on my first day of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost everything, okay? So when I went to treatment, when I came here December 2017, I lost my apartment because I was evicted. So everything in my apartment went up for auction. I lost everything. I lost my dog. Oh, no. I still have my cat, but um, what else did I lose? Oh, yeah, my dignity. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so I forgot what I was talking about. Um, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yeah, Dunkin'. Yeah. So... I had already lost all that shit, and I'm like, all right. I was living in a halfway house because I really wanted to be clean. Mm-hmm. I got kicked out of three halfway houses because the girls were jealous of me. They knew who you were? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their boyfriends were, like, into me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what you – I deserve a right to recovery just like you do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. The last house I ended up at, the girls were cool as shit. Um, but I had to get a job. And I had a warrant out for my arrest. So I couldn't get a job. I had a lot of shit What was the warrant for? For weed. Oh, for weed. Yeah. Which is now legal everywhere. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to get a job. Finally, I got the warrant taken care of. I was proactive. I called myself a lawyer and uh, took care of all that shit. And it was so annoying, difficult. But after that, I could legally work. And so no one would hire me. (laughs) So I got a job at Dunkin' Donuts because my there's sponsors in AA and my sponsor told me you need to get a job and humble yourself. And I worked at Dunkin' Donuts for like almost a year. Did you put what you put on your resume? Did you put self-employed? <laughs> self-employed. <laughs> yeah. But then I got another job as a sales agent like shortly after because mm-hmm. um, I got fired from Dunkin' because it I was mean to the customers because I'm like, excuse me, just because I'm giving you a service does not mean you can treat me like shit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but no. Mm-hmm. So I would speak my mind and my the manager was my best friend, so I would get away with it. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I got fired for my mouth. And for this, my second job, too, I got fired for my mouth as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just something with my mouth, I guess. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself from working at Dunkin' Donuts? Because I think we tend to self-identify with these external things like Mm. i'm this job or i'm this amount of followers or i'm this money in the bank account these things that don't matter yeah so when those things are stripped and you're wearing that uniform i felt i was like i'm fucking doing it Mm -hmm. i was like i'm not a little bitch i'm not still doing drugs i'm doing everything that i need to do to stay clean right now Mm mm-hmm Fuck this job, but I'm fucking doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Did you leave and were you like a different person for it or did you just learn more about yourself? Um. Well, I learned. I mean, I've never, even as a kid, my parents never were like, they were always like, don't worry about money. Mm-hmm. No one, no one from like money does not matter it does not make the person you can be rich and you can be an asshole and you can be poor and the best person in the world so i was never like identifying people by how much they made Mm -hmm. but um at duncan it it like (laughs) it's so stupid um it like humbled me so fucking much like i had to clean shit out of the bathroom like me i had to clean shit oh man so i was just like okay so i can lose everything and then what am i mm-hmm. so i had to like figure out who i was mm-hmm. and do i like that mm-hmm. you know it taught me a lot honestly mm-hmm. um yeah Ooh, that tickled my vagina <laughs> <laughs> did you ever have the issue so i find the fact that we live in two names so interesting. We spend so much time in this alter ego. Did that so affect? Much. Yeah, did that affect you a lot? Um, like, did Keisha stay around longer than she should have in certain situations? Yes, yes. Keisha stayed along, stayed for a long time, and um, I don't know. Kelsey, Kelsey is like the girl. I just said my name. It's okay. Kelsey's the girl that like grew up you know loving art and all this stuff and like i look back at myself and i'm like damn kelsey you were the shit girl (laughs) so like that i tried to go off of that and um i'm sorry i keep forgetting what i'm talking about. we're talking about when you spend too much time (gasps) in your alter ego yeah so kelsey is like sweet and stuff and then keisha is this like sassy little shit who like is i mean I'm a slut in general, but, (laughs) you know, Um, I just feel like they're two different people and people like to think that they know Kelsey. Mm -hmm. That's so funny to me because they literally, I give them what I want, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's hard sometimes because um, I will be like, oh, I'm Keisha Gray. But then I'm like, wait, shut the, like instantly I'll be like, uh, so, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so. So what does that make you like? Mm-hmm. Are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that would happen a lot with me too. And you don't realize something so stupid as having a stage name does affect you on a personality level. I would, if I spent too much time in LA, I would come home and Eric would be like, "Can you tell Eva to go back to LA?" This isn't going to work with me. And he would just call me out on my shit. And I was like, 
I didn't even know I was behaving in a different way, but it, the industry and just LA in general kind of make you act differently. You have to put up a shell or porcupines yeah. or fit in and pretend to be something because yeah. if you're not something, then you're nothing. That's how I would protect myself though. Mm-hmm. Like um, myself, you know, not Keisha. I would protect myself by like putting on this mm-hmm. character, which is also cool to mm-hmm. have that, but mm-hmm. it's also weird to have like two different names, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm also a Gemini and I'm Me also too. bipolar. So <laughs> when's your birthday? Uh, May 29th. Cool. I'm June. Okay. Yeah, Six yeah. nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you have the double whammy though with with the switch. Yep. <laughs> That's intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're also in a situation where there's two of you because I always say there's things Eva does on screen that I'm not doing in my real life. Mm-hmm. And um. Yeah, you just have to make sure that you don't spend too much time in the one that doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's very important mm-hmm. to ground yourself. I wish I had, like, what I have now when I was shooting constantly. I probably would have been, like, I don't know. But I'm really happy that, like, all these experiences, good and bad, like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about again. <laughs> So after once you found your sobriety and you started shooting for yourself and getting reconnected with your family, do you have like a meditation practice or do you have grounding exercises? Yeah. Um, So I have terrible anxiety, (laughs) as you can probably tell. I'm like fidgeting and like but um, what I try to do when I'm having like a panic attack or something, I will look at things in the room and be like, oh, that book is red uh that's blue it takes your it's silly but it takes your mind away and it helps a lot Mm -hmm. and then um grounding for depression the gratitude list um Mm -hmm. that helps um writing down what you want to be who you like what you want to be the person you want to be like we were talking about Mm -hmm. um and also depression comes from dwelling on the past so it's really good to like what do you want? Go ahead, you know? Think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. It's really freaking hard, but that's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for you to tell me what you think about that book I suggested earlier because he gets he gets really deep into depression. And then I think it's really interesting that he tied in the addiction issue with everything because it just seems like, of course, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then the new, new version also includes the pandemic and how that social isolation mm-hmm. is affecting so many people. Um, yeah, I think it's like right up your alley. So yeah. I'm so curious. I'm excited. I hope you love it. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, so where do you see yourself – in like the next five years, are you going to be self-producing? Um, I know you mentioned you're going to back to school and we already said no one's going back to mainstream again. <laughs> yeah. So what are your goals? Um, so I want to be a vet tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be going to school for that. Um, I already volunteer like at a couple places, but I want to like put more into that Mm because like, I don't know, I feel really good when I'm helping people. I feel like useful. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably, I want to write a book (laughs) or something. I don't know. 
and um, probably still self-producing definitely Mm -hmm. probably getting more into it like have a giant studio and like people working with me and stuff like that Mm -hmm. hopefully I don't know yeah we'll see That'll be so fun. Yeah, when I, I started doing that for my website when I got out of mainstream, and it feels really powerful. Really? It does. It's You're like, ooh, I'm the director today, and <laughs> I get to call all of the shots, and it's my creative vision, and I own all of this. It's just very cool. It's, mm. um, Yeah, it's just a very powerful place, and it's the script kind of flips because you don't necessarily always feel powerful as a performer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm re- really excited to see where – Everything goes. I honestly think it's going to be self-producing until v- VR and AR are the primary mm-hmm. use of yeah. porn. But until then, I think it's all going to be these little studios that these girls make. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's – I'm glad that this is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It all happens for a reason. And then girls find out that they really like doing it, you know? They really mm-hmm. like self-producing and they can be so creative and, like, what they're – you know, it's a lot better for people. Mm-hmm. I've seen some really impressive sets from some girls, like really impressive. Like they pulled out all the stops, got super creative with Mm -hmm. wardrobe and location. And you know no one in mainstream would do that because it would cost too much. Um, But you're like, how much do you need to profit? Because she spent probably, I don't know, like seven grand on a set and she's still turning a profit. And that's one person without paid traffic. yeah, I feel like they're just really going to have to try to figure out what they're doing next because it's going to be a while, I think, until people are using VR because the, mm. everything's so heavy and big and it's yeah. also really awkward. Like you're going to like sit there with this Yo, thing. someone's going to walk out. <laughs> and you'll, you'll have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Oh, my god! Make sure you lock the door. That's too funny. Yeah. With mm-hmm. like – imagine like a small one because it's in the future and it's just this guy like – yeah. Mm-hmm. So funny. I'm going to find my boyfriend doing that. <laughs> He'll have no clue. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'll start licking his... <laughs> and he'll be like, whoa, this is <laughs> this must be the upgraded version. I didn't know this was a feature. Well, this has been super awesome. I really appreciate you coming all the way to North Carolina for this. Um, do you want to tell the listeners how they can support you, where they can follow you, and anything that you might be working on? Um, so my website is littlequiche.org. My Twitter and Instagram are littlequiche. <laughs> and my OnlyFans is onlyfans.com slash Keisha Gray. I wasn't talking into this. Oh, you're fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you again, and I can't wait to, to see you again in the future on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye, guys. Thank you.